honesty, passion, experience. It's Timberwolves Explosion, hosted on thesportstuff.com. And now, your host, Paladino Joey. Wigan Timberwolves fans, are you ready for the explosion of Timberwolves basketball? I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Timberwolves Explosion is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, now PodMN. PodMN is now part of the uh, the whole group of uh, applications that this podcast is a part of. Thank you, PodMN, for basically jumping on board, bringing this show on. It's all about local podcasts in the state of Minnesota, so basically I was automatically put in there in the sports area, so when you look up Minnesota Timberwolves, you should be able to find it. Of course, if you have to, just write in my last name, I don't know, or just, yeah, you should be able to find it. Timberwolves Explosion Pod, man, if you want to use that one for, it's basically a local podcast. Also, again, there's iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Double Twist, of course, TuneIn Radio, always greatly appreciating all those applications that have the uh, Timberwolves Explosion podcast down there. Always very exciting. So this show basically is going to center around a guy who thinks he's the center of the universe. Okay, I'm just kidding. He's not as bad as certain people, but yeah, it's Kevin Garnett. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Kevin Garnett on this show for multiple reasons. Yeah, I've got this and that with him. You know, I loved him as a player for the longest time. Then I started seeing things about him that I didn't like as much, and then his attitude continued to get worse and worse, and then Glenn Taylor said something he shouldn't have, and Garnett took it further than he maybe should have, and blah, 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 blah. So my emotions are kind of mixed. They're all over the place. Uh, obviously, one thing that's really good and well-deserved is Kevin Garnett is a first-ballot Hall of Famer to go along with uh, Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant, of course. And I will be respectful about the uh, the other <laughs> the other people named on board. WNBA champion and 10-time All-Star Tamika Catchings, of course, big-time star there. One that I'll talk about a little bit today by his club, the Houston Rockets, Rudy Tomjanovich, pretty cool. He's going in as a coach, former collegiate coach uh, Eddie Sutton, Baylor women's basketball coach Kim Mulkey, and former women's college basketball coach Barbara Stevens, and former FIBA and IOC executive Patrick Bauman. So other members getting on board, but of course it's highlighted by the big three Kobe, Tim, and Kevin. Kobe Bryant, of course, you only need to say the first name usually for that one. Tim is a little more common. Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett, of course, jumping on board. Two arch rivals, two guys that were 21, two guys that went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Garnett easily, in hindsight, would have gone number one overall in the 95 draft, even though it was a decent draft and everything, but uh, Garnett's the easy pick if you, if you could redo it. And Tim Duncan was the logical, correct pick in uh, 97. And, of course, in 96, Kobe Bryant... As good as the 96 draft was, Kobe Bryant uh, probably should have been the highlight from that draft. And he ended up going 17th because he was a little bit too young and taking a, well, you know, he he wasn't as well known as Garnett. Garnett taken fifth overall by Kevin McHale way back in 1995. Pretty exciting group of players taken in back-to-back-to-back drafts. Kobe Bryant already passed away, though, at age 41 in the helicopter crash. A lot of you remember that at the end of January the 26th, a horrible day. And, of course, I recorded a a segment of a Timberwolves podcast, Timberwolves Explosion podcast. Of course, the show didn't come out until Friday like it normally does, but I made sure that that was uh, kind of like a on-the-spot, on-the-day moment to kind of catch on the the emotions of that day. So kind of sucks. And, of course, again, when when they do the enshrinement, it's going to be quite different. You're not going to see the crying Jordan with a bunch of fans, you know, crying... Tim Duncan crying, Kevin Garnett, and saddest of all, you're not going to see Kobe Bryant standing there at all. That's the saddest of all. That's 
awful and awfully sad. But uh, the way things are going, I don't know. I don't know what kind of enshrinement it's going to be like, barring some kind of a beautiful miracle. Uh, somehow, some way, uh, some kind of a beautiful home run is knocked out of the ballpark here with this stupid virus that we all know about. I talked about it very briefly on the last episode, of course. Again, uh, Rudy Gobert, he's recovered, which is good. So all the NBA players that had it have recovered or are near recovery. One thing, though, that's really scary at the moment is I believe Carl Anthony Towns' mother is still, still in uh, medically induced coma due to coronavirus, complications of the coronavirus and all that. So kind of a scary situation there. In fact, extremely scary. We don't like medically induced comas a whole lot because, well, Flip Saunders was in a medically induced coma in, uh, in 2015, in October. And, well, you know, I mean, I, let's pray in God, pray to God that's not going to be a similar situation there. Uh, I just pray to God that won't be the case. So God bless Carl Anthony Towns' mother. Apparently his dad also had it. It kind of is what it is. You live in the same house and all that. You're very close. Can't really social distance too much with your spouse. It's kind of a tough situation there. Uh, his dad has had it, but is recovering and getting better. So that's good. Oh, worst. Yeah, I don't even want to think about either one of them passing away. But imagine both thing, uh, both of them. That would have been unbelievable. Looks like his dad should be fine. His mother. Let's keep her, keep her in your thoughts and prayers. That's all you got to say about that. As as lame as that phrase might sound to a lot of people, still at the same time, you know. I mean, that's all we can really do as fans is, uh, you know, keep her in our thoughts and prayers and wish for the best, you know, for that, that she comes out 100% back to normal and that she comes out of it at all, if, first and foremost. And then, of course, 100% back to normal would be uh, absolutely spectacular. Uh, scary, scary, scary. Uh, God bless her there. Uh, there was no comments, just the crying or the sad faces from Levi and Tanae. Uh, mom's in coma. So this is going to be a one-segment shot, basically. Again, it's going to focus mostly on Kevin Garnett getting into the Hall of Fame and his beef with Glenn Taylor. So two major things with Kevin Garnett, because, of course, very quickly he spouted off a bit when Glenn Taylor was like, oh, Garnett's like wonderful, blah, 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 greatest player in franchise history, and said all his wonderful things about him on Timberwolves.com and such. And then about a day later, Garnett fires back at Glenn Taylor. Uh, slightly... Not 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 quite as friendly of a statement. Let's just leave that as is. But uh, Carol Anthony Towns hoping to be one of the greatest Timberwolves of all time. Top two, top three. Um, at the end of the day, we'll see what happens with him. But uh, right now, focuses on his mother. And of course, again, well, we get to social distance ourselves until who knows. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see how things go with that. <sighs> scary scary, scary times. Uh, is there some deception out there? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is, but I'm not going to get into that on this show. Probably not a good idea. I just, yeah, I have my opinions on that a bit, but uh, that is what it is. Uh, some other things too, also on Facebook, you know, because I'm going to reminisce about the past now. Of course, the current stuff, again, the coronavirus and Carol Anthony Towns' mom had to mention that right early at the beginning here. Uh, before I get into the heavy Garnett conversation, we'll talk a bit again because, you know, during this situation when there's no live games and <clears throat> we don't know if there's going to be postseason or not, we don't know if it's going to be at some weird late date. But uh, with NBA Network and all that, thank God I have it at this time with the updated uh, subscription, so to speak, uh, <laughs> Xfinity in my case, uh, NBA Network and all that, NBA TV, not NBA Network, everything else is called Network, but it's NBA TV. Um, you get to reminisce with some old NBA finals, some old conference finals, this and that. And then there was the New York Knicks, Chicago Bulls, uh, seven-game series, 1992. What an amazing series that was. This was game number seven. 
Jordan and the Bulls against Patrick Ewing and the Knicks. You got all those, uh, his best friend who's kind of unfortunately at this point uh, a physical enemy. Obviously, him and Patrick Ewing are very close. Michael Jordan, him and Charles Oakley, extremely close. The infamous Bill Carwright for uh, Charles Oakley trade, which Bill Carwright was a good player back in the day, but, you know, by the time Patrick Ewing got there, he was aging and such. And then Bill Carwright ends up. You know, he's just kind of an okay, decent center who obviously did help the Bulls win championships with that high IQ and the calmness in the locker room. But Charles Oakley was uh, obviously a damn good player, physical son of a gun. We'll talk about him some more with the the Knicks and Rockets coming up that series. But uh, I was basically like, this is what I call basketball because it was beautiful. Michael Jordan with just unbelievable moves. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to keep saying this until I'm blue in the face. And I don't care what youngster or what uppity, somebody who's like two years older than me, some uppity person on the radio or basketball fan, whatever they are, is going to tell you every Golden State Warriors team is better and blah, 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 and basketball's so much better now, and basketball guys were just slow, and, and they're just bumping into each other. It was just brutal. Just brutal. No, it wasn't. I mean, the way Michael Jordan is making the moves around people, just because he didn't attempt 12 threes a game doesn't mean Michael Jordan was a boring player, obviously. And I'm sure you weren't necessarily meaning that, but it was like a boring style of basketball. New York Knicks and, and Houston Rockets shot a hell of a lot of threes, especially the Rockets. Of course, frickin' Starks cost them. We'll, cost, we'll get to that in a minute with Houston. Um, Chicago, though, Michael Jordan, such spectacular moves. It was just so much fun to reminisce and watch that game, and I couldn't I couldn't get my eyes off the screen. I mean, it was, a, it was like two weekends ago. It was Michael Jordan heaven. You got to see the 55-point game when he came back and all that in 95. Uh, you got to see this 92 Game 7. You got to see, uh, I think it was the 93 Eastern Conference Final. Yep, when the Bulls came back from 2-0, they just came roaring back and rolled right past the New York Knicks in that one. After going down two games to zero, Knicks were all confident, thinking they're going to knock out the 93 Bulls, and that just did not happen. Uh, It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Knicks actually had a better record that year, and so did the Phoenix Suns, where the Bulls took care of business in 93, of course. Those of you that may be a little too young for that, but uh, I remember 93, 94, 95, 92. I remember it so well, and I just watching it, I'm like, was it really that long ago? And Yeah, it was. It was almost 30 years ago. That sucks. Let's see what guys have to say. Uh, 30 home games. That's an interesting name, <laughs> but it is what it is. Which teams of the last decade do you think played with that style or mentality? Now, the last decade is what he asked there. You know what it's, right? So the last decade, that would be like 2010 and beyond, right? Uh, and, I, and my response was, honestly, pretty much nobody. These guys were definitely tougher. Uh, they were definitely tougher mentally, tougher physically. I, I didn't get a response or a like, so I'm not sure if he was annoyed with my response or if he agrees. But really, pretty much nobody, honest to God. Or he just kind of simply put, like, yeah, 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 you're right, without really responding to it or clicking like or anything. Um, I don't think nobody, I don't think anybody since 2010 really played that way. Maybe Miami a little bit because Pat Riley is in charge of that team. So there was a little bit of physicality there. But um, the 2006 team was maybe more similar to the New York Knicks, at least, back in the day with Wade, of course, being a Jordan and Chicago guy. You know, you got to see a little bit of that, too. But, of course, definitely an inferior version of Michael Jordan. I'm sorry. Love Dwayne Wade. Love him, but not Michael Jordan. Uh, then I come out with uh, anyone that hated the 1994 finals is a dork. What's not to like? You got everything. Offense, defense, three-point shooting, spin moves, great post moves. It doesn't get better than this other than Michael Jordan. And, you know, the 94 finals were great because you got a little break from the Bulls. It was just like a little break. Michael Jordan was taking a break, and there's all kinds of conspiracy theory rumors, you know, like a lot of us 
a lot of us like me like to kind of get into that stuff a little bit sometimes because it's interesting. It's interesting, and maybe, you know, maybe there is something to it that uh, the conspiracy was that Michael Jordan was in deep doo-doo with the, with the NBA and the commission and all that with his, his gambling issues, and they actually were suspending him for an extended period of time, like at least a year, if not more. So he was all kind of uh, uh, an illusion. Like, okay, he's retiring. <laughs> he's retiring, and then he's coming back. This and that. Because it was kind of sudden, right before the season. No idea what uh, that was all about, but maybe it wasn't real at all, and Jordan was just kind of downtrodden and not interested at the time, and then he was just got the love for the game and came back hungrier than ever, and he did. He certainly was a larger guy, too. Uh, Jordan was bulking up a bit, obviously playing against teams like the Knicks and stuff, and obviously going back to the Detroit Pistons, he had to bulk up going against the Detroit Pistons in the late 80s, early 90s, when they butted heads in the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe, three straight seasons. First time, the Pistons just kind of rolled past the Bulls. Second time, it took seven games, but then the Pistons rolled past the Bulls in Game 7. Third time, the Bulls swept the Pistons right out of there, and uh, Dennis Rodman almost murdered Scottie Pippen, literally broke his neck just about, and uh, it was just literally like a F you, you know, type of thing. Like, we're going to lose, and I'm just going to injure you now. So that was interesting. Dennis Rodman of the Pistons at the time, of course. Interesting situation there. But, um, yeah, where am I going with this? But, uh, yes, this was the time where Jordan was out, obviously. So it was a nice break from the Bulls. Just a little temporary break. And you got to see Houston step up. You got to see the Knicks finally win the East, finally. And, sadly, this would be it until 1999 when they were not even, they weren't even on the same stratosphere as the Spurs, unfortunately. And I would have loved the Knicks to win 1999. I came out of that because I remember back in 94, I mean, I love that Rockets team. I still love them. I still think they're, the beautiful, they're a beautiful team. And Hakeem Elijah went with all those beautiful moves and all that. And, of course, the three-point shooting of Sam Cassell and, and uh, Vernon Maxwell and, of course, uh, Kenny, Kenny the Jet Smith, who was nailing threes after one after another. Um, even so, Hakeem Elijah won, uh, had a have a three kind of bounce in after a few... Uh, little uh, A few couple bounces off the rim it went in and all that. But... Uh, all those awesome spin moves and the and the and the the dream shake and Patrick Ewing just one good move after another as well. I come out of that one all these years later just feeling heartbroken for Patrick Ewing because Patrick Ewing gave everything he had in that series and especially Game Seven. John Starks who was so good the whole series, particularly in the fourth quarter, just let Patrick Ewing down in that game. I mean, he was what two of seventeen, just awful, just awful. Couldn't make Jack. He was like 0 of 10 from three-point range. I think it got to like 0 of 11, low of 12, something like that. Just completely let Ewing down. The Knicks might have won that game if uh, John Starks was reasonably on his game in that one. It's a very strong possibility. Uh, game 7s are always low-scoring, even when you had Celtics-Lakers uh, in the Garnett and Rondo and you know Kobe and uh, Pau Gasol era. It was a very low-scoring game. I got to see that. A very bitter defeat as a Celtic fan uh, in that series. I was cheering for the Celtics big time and Sorry, Vince, about that, but uh, <laughs> I apologize for that, but I, I like Boston teams, man. Um, that was a bitter defeat, and I can imagine the Knicks, just a heartbreaking bitter defeat, and this was their best chance to win a championship, and it's been a long, 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 long time, going back to the early 70s, and they got back in 99, and Patrick Ewing already had a torn Achilles tendon in the East Finals, and that was all she wrote. Going into the Finals, you have Chris Dudley going against Tim Duncan. I mean, it's like, well, okay, Spreewell was good, but, yeah, I don't know. He was better when he was with Golden State, though. <laughs> That's for sure. He had been off for a year, had some great moments, but he was better with Golden State, and, of course, he was a mental case, and 
we all learned about that by his second year with Minnesota, but also <laughs> occasionally during the, the first year when he was a bit better, uh, some idiotic uh, decisions leading to Marcus screaming, why did he bleep and foul? I've never seen Marcus get that mad watching a basketball game, never. Uh, he was uh, irate. So let's get to what Fred Mithen had to say about the 90s, uh, 94 finals. I was a big Knicks slash Pat Riley's fan in the 90s. Pat Riley fan in the 90s. Too bad they couldn't pull it all together, but the dream was too tough to beat. Ori should be in the Hall of Fame as a clutcher. That's the other guy who hit threes, of course. Seven rings of three different teams, Rockets, Spurs, and Lakers, and I couldn't have said it better there, uh, Fred. Um, of course, Rockets, Lakers, Spurs, if you want to be chronologically accurate, but it doesn't matter. Um, loved him with the Rockets way more than the Spurs and Lakers. I don't like the Spurs and the Lakers. At the, I wasn't a fan of the Lakers at the time. No offense again, but uh, to, to, to Vince Germano or any others out there listening, Stu Benson, Kalen Woods, guys like that. It just is what it is. I mean, I, you know, I developed more of a soft spot for the Lakers over the years by like 2013-ish, especially when me and Vince started doing the Showtime and T-Wolves show. Oh, that was fun. Uh, lots of fun. 30 home games comes up and says, doesn't get any better than Hakeem. And God, yeah, I mean, I love that Rockets team. The biggest shame of all, after 95, the, the Houston Rockets changed their logo and their uniforms completely changed them, like completely. And it's never been the same since. I never liked that logo, never liked those uniforms, and now they have this other thing that's even goofier. Uh, occasionally they harken back to the retro colors and retro logo, but it's just like for a game at a time here and there. Bring it back permanently, please, or like a modernized version of it if you could. Bring back the yellow, the yellow and, and, and red together, that'd be great. Um, so now we'll get into the beef of things. Are we all set? Are we all ready? I just had to reminisce about it because I really enjoyed watching NBA TV off and on on these weekends and such, and now during the week. And it seems like the weekends, though, you get more NBA final type, uh, uh, you get more of the NBA final type of things. Not too interested in seeing Cavaliers, Golden State, except maybe two, uh, 2016. Any of the others, I can't really stomach it. So most of you that know me a little bit at this point, I can't really stomach watching the Warriors win a championship unless it was with Chris Mullen and Sprewell and Tim Hardaway, but of course that was not the case. I would have much rather see that group of Warriors win, not the, not the more modernized group of guys. I'm not a big fan of those guys. So if there's anybody that might be fairly new listening. At Wolves Explosions is the Twitter account. Now I was on the Facebook page when I was going on and on about that. Facebook.com forward slash Timberwolves Explosion. Otherwise it's at Wolves Explosion for Twitter because at the time when I created the account... Timberwolves explosion didn't fit. I'm guessing that's still a rule there because uh, Twitter is all about keeping things small and precise, even though they doubled the length of uh, characters nowadays. Levi Brown, Tanae Brown, and Vinrock Vince Germano all retweeted the most recent show. Can't thank you guys enough for doing that at Wolves Explosion, of course. Already almost 20 minutes in, but hey, I had to reminisce a bit because we're going to keep reminiscing here in a minute. The only thing modern is the coronavirus, and of course, poor... Poor Carl Anthony Towns' mom, again, praying, praying, and praying for that recovery. Um, but no, can't thank you guys enough for retweeting that. Uh, that was awesome of you. I believe there was a couple responses. Um, what happened with Reese here? Uh, there was a conversation with Reese. Let's see what he says. Reese says, still going strong, Joey. And I was telling him, God bless you. Can't thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you, Reese Pedrata. He was sharing, and he called it hashtag legend. And you're a legend also, man. Thank you, uh, Reese Pedretta, you're, you're a legend also, Mike, also out of Australia. Malcolm McSween out of Southern California joining. Thank you very much, Malcolm. Thank you. Maybe he listens to the show a little bit here and there. Big Purple Mafia guy, of course. That's my Minnesota Vikings podcast. Uh, 
a couple mentions. Here we go. There's an interesting conversation here. Briefly, Levi, he's talking about... See, what got this conversation started, though? I guess. Ah, uh, what was he saying? Thoughts. Okay, I see what's going on. And I didn't even respond, but I can respond now here on the show instead. So I apologize for not responding with a tweet. I must have lost track of what was going on. Of course, kind of weird situations at work. Mike Vorkanov says, If you had to build a five-man NBA lineup of your favorite players, not best but favorite to play a game, who would be in it? Well, Michael Jordan, yes, that's shooting guard. Gary Payton, point guard. Paul George, small forward. This is uh, Levi. Michael Jordan shooting. Okay, let's go down the correct way. At the one, Gary Payton. At the two, Michael Jordan. At the three, small forward, Paul George. Power forward, Sean Kemp. Interesting. Yep, you really were a... So that's probably why you're a uh, Oklahoma City fan, because of, the, because of the Sonics. See, that's another team. I wish they put the 93 West Finals up there, because, ah, God, I love that Sonics team, and God, I love those logos. I love the, the logos and uniforms back then for the Seattle Sonics. I hated when they changed it. Stop effing up the classic logos, guys. You know, all, all these teams did that, and, of course, they don't exist anymore, and they brought back a weaker one. They brought back the colors, but they didn't look as good as the classic one. Ah, of course, the Sonics way, way back in the early 70s were really boring uniforms, but still cool colors, at least. So he had uh, Peyton, Michael Jordan, Paul George, Sean Kemp, and Stephen Adams. There you go. So he got an Oklahoma City Thunder in there, and he is a good guy, Stephen Adams. And, of course, a fellow countryman for Levi Brown and Danae Brown out of New Zealand. Fellow countryman there is uh, Vince Germano calls them Kiwis. (laughs) Vince said it. I didn't, right? Okay, so... (laughs) I apologize for not responding. Let's see what Tanae says. Tanae says, great defensive team. So, uh, my thoughts are, that's an awesome team. Yep, great defense for the most part. Lots of fun. Michael Jordan's the greatest ever. That'd be a sweet team. If I were to put together uh, my favorite players, this and that, okay, so point guard is probably be my favorite point guard. It probably is Magic Johnson because he's just so fun to watch. Or Gary Payton. Uh, it's between Peyton and and uh, Magic. It really is. Obviously, I love Peyton so much. Even though I didn't like him with you know, when they played against the Wolves, he's got a big mouth and all that. He, uh, oh, man. Man, and he's the guy I wanted on the Wolves so bad. I will go with Gary Peyton, believe it or not, even though, obviously, Magic is the greatest ever. Michael at shooting guard. Small forward is going to be... <laughs> Oh, God. Smell forward. Well, still, favorite of all time? Favorite of all time? Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, it's a combination. See, uh, cripe. I don't know. <laughs> My center is going to be Hakeem Olajuwon. I just, I mean, he's the greatest ever with those beautiful moves. Power forward. <sighs> uh, as much as I'm going to, much as I give him a hard time, it's... As much as I give him a hard time, I have to go with Garnett. I have to. <laughs> I mean, I Tim Duncan, uh, you know, uh, he's yeah, too many bitter rivalries. Carl Malone, kind of a bully, you know, as great as he was. Charles Barkley, kind of a bully. I, I wasn't a, you know, not those aren't two guys that I was just like clamoring for. I have to go with Garnett as much as of a hard time as I've given him there. Small forward, Ricky Davis. Hell, hell no. Small forward. It's a tough one because I want to say just straight out LeBron James, but it's almost like I'm just trying to give you all the best players uh, ever, but it has to be LeBron James because he is my favorite small forward ever. Uh, other than Scottie Pippen, he's exactly the kind of player I want to 
I want to be out there when I play small forward. You know, same with Scottie Pippen in a lot of ways, where you're kind of a point forward. You're kind of running the offense, even though you're the small forward, which is what a small forward can do, depending on the makeup of the team. Center, Akeem Olajuwon. So we'll go with Gary Payton, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, and Hakeem Olajuwon. And it sounds like I'm just putting all-stars together, but those are my favorite players at those positions. So it is what it is. That's my group, uh, which Tanae wrote something, or Vince, but that's a bummer. But thank you for a little subject matter there, Levi. Uh, Again, see if there's anything else real quick before I move on. I think there was something else. I was kind of tweeting out the same stuff I put on Facebook, and then I could finally get into the meat there with Garnett. Again, apologize for the delay. I'm sure most of you are probably hoping I would just get to Garnett right away, but I figured I'd just get caught up with how things are going. So again, apologize. Okay, I was saying anyone that hated the 94 final, blah, blah, blah. Omer Taha liked that, so thank you very much. Nick Nick Timas replies, I never really watched it. The 95 finals was the first since I became a fan. I YouTube it. So you must have really enjoyed uh, against Shaq and uh, against Shaq versus uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. That was a good series. 95 finals was pretty good. Uh, Magic just kind of swept them out, which that's what kind of was a bummer about that series. A little bit too fast. Um, and I was saying Game 7 of the 94 finals on NBA TV. I absolutely love the 94 Rockets. One of my favorite teams in the logo is to die for. I wish they would bring it back and keep it. Tanae and... Vince both, uh, excuse me, that was Levi and Vince both liked that tweet. I think, I'm not sure if anybody replied on any of these afterwards. I'll just keep moving up here. I swear I saw something. Nope, that's all she wrote, folks. That is all she wrote, but thanks again for the conversation. Regardless, uh, that was nice, uh, Levi. Thank you. So we'll get to the uh, the meat of the story now. <clears throat> At Wolves Explosion again. Well, first and foremost, before I get to the mean beef and stuff, let's talk about the positive first. Kevin Garnett, very deserving of getting into the Hall of Fame first ballot, no question about it. And a beautiful group of players, they all retired the same year in 2016. Kevin Garnett, uh, more uh, unfortunately in his case, was kind of, well, I mean, it is what it is. He was kind of at the end there. He did have a year remaining, and they bought it out, and things were not so good. Not so good. Again, yeah, so it's already leading into the negativity that's going to be brought up here. <clears throat> and I'll get to my conversation on that. But still, a well-deserved first ballot Hall of Fame regardless. Kobe was way at the end of the line. Tim Duncan at the end of the line. None of their careers ended spectacularly other than Kobe Bryant having that crazy 60-point game where he attempted like 40 shots. But it's still fun to watch, no doubt. He made some great moves. And they asked him, are you going to keep playing? And he said, no. And he said, oh, are you going to change your mind and come back? And he said, no. And no, I was I said it at the same time he did. That's not Kobe Bryant anymore. He was just having fun one more time because he had nothing to lose. That's all that was um, at the end of the day. But uh, what a long career all these guys played. Garnett's career lasted the longest because he started in 95. I mean, we're talking 21 years. He would have been a record 22-year guy if he came back and he had the contract there. <clears throat> but president of basketball operations Tom Thibodeau bought him out. And things were kind of going sour at the time. Little, little did we know just how sour it was. Uh, heartbreaking situation there, though, at the end of the day. It was a lot of fun seeing Garnett come back to Minnesota. Of course, only five games the first time around. The knee injury was just too much. Again, it was kind of going back to, was it 20, uh, 2008-2009 season, late that year, when he was like, oh, oh, somebody come over help, you know, when his knee, something just wasn't right. And just kind of, I don't know, the last six, seven years of his career, you know, where kind of, he kind of struggled off and on with that knee. 
unfortunately. That's why you never got to see like 80 game seasons anymore after that. In fact, he even missed significant time with a, uh, I think he had an abdominal injury in uh, 07 08 when they went on and won the championship. And he finally got him being Kevin Garnett, finally got a well-deserved def- uh, well uh, Defensive Player of the Year award. He should have gotten about two or three with Minnesota back uh, before that. I've mentioned that in the past, and I'm still staying, standing by that. Uh, Garnett played 38 games in 15-16. That was a lot of fun to see, without a doubt. Um, but, of course, again, it was so exciting to see him play out there. It really was. Trent Tucker swears that Bill Blair was one of the guys that really got his career going, kind of jump-started it. Garnett was averaging about three points a game his first month of the, uh, of his career because he was super-duper young and raw and all that, and he gradually got better and better and better and better and better. He was averaging about 15 points a game in the last two months or so in uh, 1996 there. That was a lot of fun. 95-96, when the Bulls were going on and winning their 72 games and having the greatest team ever, which I still stand by. That was uh, that was an amazing run there. Of course, again, <laughs> crazy how all these great players, you get to see them kind of play. Guys are getting older and the younger guys coming up. And, and then now they're the older one. And it's like, wow, you know, time flies so quickly. Garnett's career quickly moved up and moved up. And then he was Mr. Iron Man. Remember, he hurt his ankle his second year, missed five games, and really didn't miss a game after that for quite a while. Of course, he would get, he ended up, he ended up sitting out usually the final game of the season, three years in a row when the Timberwolves were winning like 50 games, about 48, 50 games. That's why you see 81, 81, 81. The Timberwolves were consistently winning about 50 games most of the time there. <clears throat> and it was fun to watch, but the team never could get over the hump. That was the frustrating part. A lot of people believe, again, it's just poor management, this and that. Uh, it was a combination of things. You know, Garnett's contract was crazy too high, and then just mismanagement other than that. They just could not find a diamond in the rough in the draft. They did uh, Kevin McHale and such. Could not seem to find a diamond in the rough. I'm not sure Flip Saunders' offense was the best fit necessarily to for a championship team. I mean, that's what Detroit fans often say. Uh, I'm not trying to say anything disrespectful to Flip Saunders. He was a wonderful coach and an even better person. Just, you know, you always wonder if the Wolves should have, you know, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people wish that maybe they switched jobs. McHale might have been a little bit better coach and Flip Saunders would have absolutely been a better president of basketball. We were pretty evident to that. When Flip Saunders got to be president of basketball for a short time, he was just outstanding. Uh, McHale probably might have been a better coach. You certainly would have seen probably better drafting from Flip Saunders, maybe some better decision-making, uh, contract negotiation and trade trades especially, this and that. But he had some nice runs here and there, and Garnett finally got his opportunity when you had good players around him, and he really reached the peak of his career in 02-03 and 03-04. A lot of people swore that Garnett probably should have been MVP for sure in 02-03 and Defensive Player of the Year. He probably could and should have gotten in both of those years. The year when he finally did get the MVP, he probably should have been uh, Defensive Player of the Year as well, averaging, again, 24 points a game, which is a career high. Uh, it was beyond 2010-5, and he constantly got that 2010-5 in fact, he had that for one, two, three, four, five, six years in a row, and then it went away after that. Frustrating 0405 season. Garnett still again the Iron Man of the league, and then he finally missed a couple of games in 0506, and then 0607, and then Glenn Taylor after the trade when there was all kinds of rumors. Garnett never wanted to leave Minnesota and all that. He never wanted to leave, and then 
it was just like, it doesn't look like we're going to win, and we probably should give them a chance to win somewhere else and see what happens. And the stars started aligning when the Boston Celtics drafted Jeff Green and the uh, uh, Seattle Supersonics at the time, of course, were willing to trade Ray Allen to the Boston Celtics for Jeff Green. Yes, you're getting older, but it's like, hey, you ended up being a much better player. That's when the stars started aligning, and then Garnett was like, you know what, maybe maybe I should maybe I should okay this trade. Just kind of like, okay, let's might as well go for it. And now, many years later, Garnett was like, basically, like, I should have left earlier. He was saying it at the time as well, like, because he lost extra years there. Maybe he could have been on a, a team like the Celtics at an earlier time. They might have won two or three championships instead of just one. And again, 2010, a bitter defeat. I'll say that a hundred million times. Bitter defeat for that team. But uh, a hell of a career. Crazy to think Kevin Garnett was in Boston for about six and a half years. In fact, no, it was six years full, full, six full years of the Boston Celtics. Amazing how long that was. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. It was fun to watch Kevin Garnett as a season ticket holder for four years, back in uh, going back to that 98-99 uh, season, which was really all in 1999, those 47 games. I mean, I was so optimistic. Frickin' Marbury, like, forces his way out. I believe that was early March because trade deadline had to be a bit later because <laughs> the free agent window was in January. So, yeah. That's how crazy it was. You went from free agency to training camp to season and then trade deadline. It was just like boom, 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 boom. And, man, I mean, I thought for so long, Garnett and Marbury, Marbury was was really starting to come around. Garnett was starting to come around. He was averaging 20 points a game for the first time, averaging double-digit rebounds for the first time. He was one of the best defenders in the league. He could defend five positions, Garnett. Marbury was becoming a superstar, 20 to 25 points a game type of a point guard with nine assists, and the son of a bitch just nonstop, pardon my French, uh, kept, I mean, every freaking article you ever read in, in, in this magazine, that magazine, he kept talking about how much he loves New York and blah, 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 and how New York is the greatest city in the world, and and it just, you know, it just he just never stopped talking about it, and then eventually it was like, I can't, <clears throat> except being in Minnesota when I can't possibly make more than Kevin Garnett because, you know, the new collective bargaining agreement set things up where, well, Garnett's contract is what it is, is grandfathered. Obviously, now you look back on that, and Garnett wouldn't be the highest paid player in the league, that's for sure. Nothing close to it now. But at the time, obviously, he was by far the highest paid player in the league. And um, particularly with the, the term and the amount, and Marbury couldn't accept that, and blah, blah, blah. It was all ego, all ego. Guys just couldn't grow up, this and that, and he moves on, demands a trade. And I, I don't know, ever since, it seemed like the Wolves' perfect plan, perfect group of players, ever, I mean, also with Gugliotta leaving as well, thanks to Marbury being a, a jerk to him, too, the whole time. Basically, Gugliotta leaves first to Phoenix. He wanted to come back. At the, he actually wanted to come back. He even admitted it. And uh, they found out that the uh, secret agreement had already been made. Joe Smith, wink, wink to ink, ink, as Steve Ashburner would say. Wink, wink to ink, ink. Steve Ashburner, the Wolves beat writer at the time. Of course, a great columnist. Works for NBA.com still to this day. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that. Gugliotta didn't come back, even though he had changed his mind. He couldn't come back anymore because of that secret agreement. Nudge, nudge, hint, hint, hush, hush. And then uh, all that blows up. So, I mean, Garnett's tenure with Minnesota was not as uh, glitz and glamour as it could have been because of a lot of those blunders, and it was so disappointing. Obviously, again, you lose five first-round picks, ends up being uh, three, but then the two picks you took, Rashad McCants was meh, and that was the fifth pick, got to come back. And the third pick, 
because you got to, you lost one, two, and then four, basically, in those uh, years. One, two, four. <sighs> the third one was the worst of all, Indy Eby. Nobody had ever heard of him, and he didn't do anything, and he didn't come close to being anybody in the league. He never put any muscle on, and he couldn't really play. But he held his own against LeBron James in the Summer League, though. He held his own in the Summer League against LeBron James. He, he held his own. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. I'm sure LeBron James was going 190% because, boy, oh boy, wouldn't it be, you know, it'd be a, it, it wouldn't be a big deal if LeBron James, like, got injured in summer league, you know, so it wouldn't have been a big deal at all for the Cleveland Cavaliers just starting that out. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, mismanagement, mistakes, blah, 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 and I don't know, his, his agent's ultra greed as well, Garnett's agent, Marbury's agent, all that, just that, uh, David Falk, one of the most infamous, uh, one of the most infamous agents of all time, this and that. Such a frustration, but again, a career where Garnett obviously will be remembered forever is uh, a guy who kept fans on their feet, kept fans excited. For me, I mean, the frustration always was he didn't always want to take that big shot, and a lot of times when he did take it, it just didn't seem like it was his thing. And even though I'm sure, obviously, he's the most competitive guy ever, but it didn't translate into give me the damn ball and get out of my way. I wish it did. You had the perfect formula with Stefan Marbury, and then Stefan Marbury leaves, so that messed that up. Terrell Brandon's the kind of guy who, if he thought Garnett was soft in the big moments, <laughs> well, look at Terrell Brandon. Wally Zerbiak, whatever. I mean, I, I don't know how many clutch shots he hit either. Of course, they didn't give him a whole lot of opportunity either. It seemed like Wally was usually frozen out in those moments. Uh, tried to get Gary Payton, we thought. Tried to get Gary Payton, but he wasn't going to waive that uh, $10 million trade kicker. He wasn't going to waive that. That's $10 bucks. Especially at that time, he wasn't going to waive that. So we couldn't uh, get Gary Payton to Minnesota. Obviously, uh, we would have to give him an extra $10 million, And there's no way he was going to waive that, and Taylor wasn't willing to go that far, I guess. And I think ultimately it was a combination of many things. Maybe Payton never wanted to come here in the first place. And ultimately, the whole uh, the whole situation with Terrell Brandon and Wally Zerbiak, like were we willing to sign Terrell and then move for Gary Payton during that course of time? And I, I'm not sure Seattle was in a huge excitement, uh, was was all too excited about getting Terrell Brandon and Wally Zerbiak either. So Terrell Brandon was about the, was maybe slightly younger than Gary, like a year, but played hardly any defense. Never drove to the basket anymore after multiple ankle injuries with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So you never got to see that. So again, frustration for Garnett. I mean, imagine Garnett and Payton together. That would have been absolutely spectacular if we got to see that. But it just never happened. And so that one fell through. Ultimately, we finally get Sam Cassell. So again, there would have been a guy who would have been that guy, the go-to guy that could have been a perfect compliment to Garnett with Payton and one of the best defensive players in the league. I mean, you want to talk about Kemp and Payton. Imagine Garnett and Payton. Ho, 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 ho. Especially if both of them were a tiny bit younger. But luckily at the time for Garnett, he was significantly younger still. Uh, not even close to 30 years old yet. Uh, Payton was just about 30. So that could have been an interesting run. The summer of 2000-2001. Uh, or was it 0102? Something like that. I think it was the year before. And then the next year we were still hoping for. And it just never freaking happened. I can't imagine the frustration. Then you finally get a guy to go with Garnett who could be a, a, you know, kind of a go-to guy down the stretch, a guy who wanted the ball in those big moments, and that was Sam Cassell. It finally miraculously happens in one of the greatest trades of all time, Joe Smith and uh, Anthony Peeler 
for Sam Cassell uh, from the Bucks. Joe Smith and Anthony Peeler to the Bucks for Sam Cassell. Just a beautiful moment. And then Garnett has an MVP season. I mean, do you think that's a coincidence? <laughs> yeah, so it's like the show, it got lifted off his shoulders, the pressure of taking the big shot, which he didn't do hardly ever in Garnett's case. Got lifted off his shoulders. Next thing you know, he's a league MVP. Castell the next year and Spreewell start pouting and acting like jerks. And the last three years of Garnett in Minnesota were just flat out depressing. And um, that's why he was pretty much crying when he was talking with uh, uh, Thompson there years later. Uh, the former uh, the former Georgetown coach Thompson, John Thompson. Um, he was crying in that interview like, I'm losing, man, I'm losing. So it's just so sad how his Garnett's career ended in Minnesota. Uh, obviously, we appreciate everything he brought to us and the sadness of it all, how management just couldn't get it together. And then when we tried, it was kind of a gamble. It worked for one year, and then it didn't after that. Kind of like getting Brett Favre. Comes back the next year, he was way past his... He'd, he'd aged like 10 years, it seemed like, Brett Favre. Uh, the next year, it just wasn't meant to be. And then, of course, Cassell and Sprewell didn't get the extensions they wanted. And they were jerks the whole damn year. And it just kind of ruined everything. Sprewell especially, who never played another game in, in the league after that. Cassell would play several more years as a role player with the Clippers. Still started with the Clippers, but he was clearly declining. And then had a couple of good runs, and he had a, he won another championship with the Celtics, and blah, 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 blah. Got to be with Garnett again. That was a lot of fun. But um, Garnett's last three years in Minnesota were just flat-out depressing. And I could imagine how frustrated he must have been and why he would have wanted to leave probably by 0405 at the end of the day. That might have been the summer if he could probably go back in hindsight and get traded after that year. Because clearly the end was near. Uh, the end was already there, basically. The window was closed for the Wolves to do anything because... Who are we going to trade for at that point? I mean, <laughs> there was nobody really we could trade for. Uh, just mismanagement. It was funny how Garnett already took a pot shot at Kevin McHale. His opening press conference, he was like, I've never gone on a cruise, basically. Because Kevin McHale was on a cruise during that time. <clears throat> right after that trade, or while as that trade was happening. Kevin McHale was on a cruise. That's just kind of funny. And now when you think about cruises, they're a little different, uh, different light nowadays. But obviously, what a fun team to watch with the Celtics. Kevin Garnett's six years with Boston was about as much fun uh, basketball as I've ever seen. The last year, not so much. It was cool how they made that little run back to the uh, conference final in 2012. Wound up playing the Miami Heat. Uh, looked like they were going to beat them up three games to two. It was uh, very crazy. Three games to two situation in Boston because it was, you know, the whole situation where game six is uh, goes to the underdog team. Celtics are going to close out the... Uh, the, the, the Cavaliers, I was kind of excited about that, even though I'd love to see LeBron get his ring, but I was like, yeah, let's see the Celtics get one more crack at it. That'd be sweet. Maybe they'll actually beat the Thunder. And then, no, it just wasn't meant to be. LeBron had that, that finally. See, that's what I wish Garnett would have done, because LeBron was always the kind of guy who would kind of would kind of climb up in the big moments. And then all of a sudden, he didn't. And then he changed forever on that day, in Game 6 of the uh, 2012 Eastern Conference Finals. But um, leading into... Eastern Conference Finals when the Celtics knocked the Hawks off, if I remember correctly. A pretty good Hawks team. Kevin Garnett, they, they asked what, what motivates you when they beat the uh, the Hawks and went to the East Finals. Garnett looks right at the camera and says, competition, the owners who talk too much. And his eyes got real big. Because sometime around that year or the year before or so, Glenn Taylor, for whatever reason, said that Kevin Garnett tanked during his last year in Minnesota. Um, 
which I can imagine the uh, offense Garnett took to that because, well, I mean, the management was the was was what was tanking. I mean, you put a team there that wasn't really winning. They they were expensive, but they weren't winning. Troy Hudson, Trenton Hassel, Marco Yarich. You put a group of guys there that weren't winning, and I don't know. I, I I would never accuse Kevin Garnett of tanking. I'd accuse Kevin Garnett of being extremely difficult to work with. I'd accuse Kevin Garnett of being extremely stubborn. I'd accuse Kevin Garnett of being kind of a jackass sometimes. God forgive me for saying that if Timberwolves fans don't get too pissed off at me for saying that. But yeah, of course. Of course he can be a bit of a, a, a bad guy at times. Um, just, just, just be honest with yourself. But uh, to accuse him of tanking and kind of giving up during the course of the year, I, I, I don't think that's Garnett. Again, he might not be clutch in the big moments, but he never gave up. No. He never just kind of slacked off and did whatever. I, I wouldn't believe that. So, of course, Kevin Garnett's going to take major offense to that. That was the beginning of the beef and all that. Uh, so that's why he said that years later when the Celtics knocked off the Atlanta Hawks and got back to the East Finals. The owners have talked too much. And, well, I agree with that. I agree that that was a mistake and he shouldn't have said that, uh, Glenn Taylor. Um, then you got to see his last days. He goes to Brooklyn, winds up with Minnesota, again, flips Saunders, patches things up after we miraculously finally get rid of David Kahn and uh, bring bring uh, Flip Saunders back as the president of basketball and all that beautiful stuff. <clears throat> Gets Garnett back, patches things up. And then, <laughs> I mean, it was just amazing. When I went back to a Wolves game many years later and Flip Saunders was the coach and Kevin Garnett was on the team. It was like, what the heck? Flip Saunders is the coach and Kevin Garnett's on the team? What is this, like 10, 15 years ago? <laughs> it was really cool. It was really cool to see that again. Uh, now that was uh, it was just an amazing amazing moment uh, to see those guys back together again it, it truly was um, and then in Garnett's last year he put on one of the best dunks of his career believe it or not at age 40 uh, or not age 40 but 39 literally dunking on uh, <laughs> Blake Griffin a guy that not, not a whole lot of us are huge fans of put in one of the hardest, most intense dunks we've seen in Garnett's career at age 40 on Blake Griffin. That was pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool to see him back. Again, of course, if Ben Flip Saunders passing away, and you got to see Kevin Garnett say forever in my heart, this and that. Now, I'm kind of going all over his career, this and that, so it's like we're like reflecting on his career as he goes into the Hall of Fame and reflecting on what he meant to this franchise, obviously, because he did mean a hell of a lot to this team. Again, I mean, nobody got the fans out of their seats more than Kevin Garnett, regardless of how much frustration I may have had about the clutch ability and maybe some of his beef with Glenn Taylor to this day has made me very frustrated a bit. But at the same time, I'm going to respectfully, I'm going to give him the respect of uh, getting into the Hall of Fame and what he did bring to this franchise, this and that. Um, so now we'll get to what he had to say, literally after Glenn Taylor gave him all these big compliments on Timberwolves.com, this and that. You know, a statement from Glenn Taylor uh, from the Timberwolves, this and that. And then I come up on Facebook because I saw this post and I put, I don't think either side is a hero here because this is what Kevin Garnett had to say in an interview very recently. Glenn knows where I'm at. Again, this is about the whole thought of, uh, you know, how the Boston Celtics are retiring Garnett's number. And now what about the Timberwolves finally retiring? What about the Timberwolves retiring Kevin Garnett's number? Now, a lot of local fans believe that, oh, Glenn, Glenn, uh, Glenn Taylor's stubborn. He, why won't he retire his number? Oh, because Carnett doesn't want to come, folks. I mean, if, you got to look at both sides of the story here. Garnett's not wanting to come. And here goes Garnett right now. Glenn knows where I'm at. I'm not entertaining it. 
First of all, it's not genuine. Two, he's getting pressure from a lot of fans and I guess the community there. <laughs> I guess the community there. Glenn and I had an understanding before Flip died. And when Flip died, that understanding went with Flip. For that, I won't forgive Glenn. I won't forgive him for that. I thought he was a straight-up person, straight-up businessman, and when Flip died, everything went with him. So basically, before I continue, there was some kind of an agreement with Flip Saunders and Kevin Garnett that Garnett would be a partial owner of the team. Maybe someday, God willing, the full owner. Though I don't think he quite has Michael Jordan's funds, so he couldn't really own the whole team like Michael Jordan was able to own the, the whole Hornets. Uh, how would... KG, Kevin Garnett, whatever you want to call him, all of his nicknames and such, and his regular real name. Um, I'm not sure how well he would do as an owner. It's hard to say. Maybe he'd be spectacular as just a partial owner, or if he was going to be like a vice president of basketball to go along with Flip, maybe that could have been what was going on. Who knows what the whole deal was. Also, it's been brought to my attention that uh, any type of ownership conversation with an active player is illegal. So this is kind of interesting as well. If this gets brought to the front, another wink, wink to ink, ink. So hopefully they didn't put ink to it at this stage. Because, <laughs> uh, well, Garnett was an active player still, even though he was way past his prime and everything. He was 40 years old almost. <laughs> it's uh, illegal. <laughs> so interesting. Interesting food for thought there. We'll continue with what uh, Garnett had to say here. There's no reason to complain. Just continue to move on. My years in Minnesota and in that community I cherish. At this point, I don't want any dealings with Glenn Taylor or Taylor Corp or anything that has to do with him. I love my Timberwolves. I'll always love my guys. I'll I'll always love the people who bleep with me there. So I guess they're like they like to joke around, have fun. Maybe he means like Jimmy Jam or something. Uh, I'll always have a special place for the city of Minneapolis and the state of Minnesota in my heart. But I don't do business with snakes. I don't do business with snake MFers. <laughs> MFers, I'm saying it all like that. I try not to do business with openly snakes or people who are snake-like. So again, yes, uh, some of you have probably heard that three or four times already from local media. But those of you that haven't, I, you heard it now finally. Uh, maybe in Australia, because you don't. maybe you don't listen to the local media here in the Twin Cities. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Who knows? It's up to you. But... Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've simmered a little bit, but at the same time, I do think Garnett's too stubborn. I do think he's too stubborn. I've simmered on him a bit. There are times I read some of this and I get really annoyed and pissed off at him, and I think that he's being too hard on Glenn Taylor. And then you hear about the, the dealing with uh, Kevin McHale, like the business where Glenn Taylor literally big-timed that business, kind of gradually took over because there was sour grapes, because the company fired, uh, I believe it was his daughter-in-law, I believe it was Glenn Taylor's daughter-in-law. The company let her go for some reason. And then Glenn Taylor bought a stake in that company and eventually got to be a majority owner because he has more money than other than other people. So, I mean, that's like basically like a hostile takeover of the company. The daughter-in-law got the job back with higher pay, and then McHale and others were literally forced out of the company through a ownership grab, basically, a hostile takeover. So... There's two sides to Glenn Taylor. There is. And so that was disappointing to read that, to find that out. Is it 100% the truth? I don't know. But apparently uh, McHale and others in that company are trying to sue Glenn Taylor. So it's just amazing how not only is Garnett bitter at Glenn Taylor, but now Kevin McHale is for something quite different. Uh, 
I don't know what the hell this is all about. Uh, a lot of multi-billionaire men have made money by doing things this way at times. Uh, sometimes it's just wise investments along the way. Other times you might do a hostile takeover of things. He literally like ran the company into the ground intentionally just to kind of screw them over. Uh, Mikhail and others. Kind of messed up situation there. So I'm not a Glenn Taylor hater, but you hear that and you realize, yeah, there's, you know, sometimes maybe he's a little bit nicer on the on the telephone and such than he is in real life. This and that, like on WCCO and, and Score North or whatever the heck, mostly on WCCO and uh, the Scoop podcast especially. A lot of people do say Glenn Taylor is a very, very, very nice person. And he sounds like a very, very nice person. But I don't know. Uh, it's an odd situation what took place because I do think Garnett was going to have a part of the front office. It was He was going to have a, an ownership stake in the team. Obviously, he had way more money than Flip Saunders. Flip Saunders owned about 5% of the team, which, man, that's like a dream for me to own 1% of the Timberwolves. I'd be so excited to be a super-duper minority owner, to be part of that team, to have an ownership stake in the team. And plus, well, the value would probably go up, so, except this year. This year, maybe it drops a little bit, a couple, couple, couple like 50%. No, I'm just kidding. It probably did drop a bit this year because of just the way it is. But generally speaking, with the TV contracts and such, uh, it's just a genius investment to, 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 to buy into a basketball team or a football team or whatever. Anything but hockey, it seems like. But even hockey's gone up a bit. And I love hockey. I love hockey. But just saying how the money isn't as great there as it is in the other three major sports, uh, the core four sports. But uh, at the end of the day, what really happened there, and there is a crappy side to this where, you know, I'm not... I'm not 100% in Glenn uh, in Kevin Garnett's corner, but I'm not 100% in Glenn Taylor's corner either um, because, I don't know, um, would I want Kevin Garnett to be vice president of basketball? Probably not, but maybe it wasn't that big of a position. Even just kind of like part of the front office, maybe like a, maybe a business vice president or something, something like that. I have no idea, but um, at the end of the day, Regardless how I feel, if Glenn might be the nicest guy in the world, maybe he's not. He might be a big snake, this and that. I'm not sure what to believe as, as much anymore. Uh, I do think Garnett has a very mean side to him. I do. I do think he's being a little bit too hard. But at the same time, again, to come out with a... I understand major frustration with saying Garnett tanked, because I don't believe he did. And whatever the heck reason they completely pushed Garnett away probably without literally pushing him, but just kind of like moving on without him when Flip died. That is kind of weird. It is a little bit weird. Um, again, you can't just turn over the franchise over to Kevin Garnett, especially with Flip's death. You can't make him president of basketball. I don't think that's the right thing to do. Making Tom Thibodeau president of basketball, though, I don't think that was the right thing to do either. And I was questioning it hardcore at the time. I kept thinking, okay, what are they going to do with Garnett? Because obviously there was probably something going to happen with them. And then it just got kind of eerily quiet. And then next thing you know, they're buying him out. It just was weird and kind of eerie. And there was a lot of silence, a lot of too quiet. It was a situation that was pretty much too quiet. Whereas it sounds like behind the scenes, Garnett was just fuming and, and irate, basically, at the whole situation. So, kind of sad. I mean, you see Garnett go into the Hall of Fame. You see his number getting retired with Boston. And, of course, the reason why he wore number five, he looked right at the camera with the jersey. This was when Garnett had not won a championship with Boston yet. He hadn't played a game with Boston yet. He held up the jersey, 
and said with the fifth pick in the 1995 NBA draft, the Boston Celtics take Kevin Garnett. Stuff like that did not sit too well with me because that was kind of like, like I never played for you ever, Minnesota. That's kind of mean. I thought that was kind of mean to everybody. Uh, strangely, the fans in this town either never saw that or don't think that's important. I think that's important. I think I was messed up. I would never do that. Maybe some of you are hearing that for the first time. He said it. They asked him, why did you choose number five? And he said, with the fifth pick in the 1995 draft, the Boston Celtics take Kevin Garnett. And to me, that's just, like, messed up. I mean, you played 12 years here. Maybe your last three years in Minnesota were, like, about as forgettable as it gets because it's just it was the crappiest team ever. Uh, th- that team would have maybe won 14 games if Garnett didn't suit up for him. That's how yucky that team was. A bunch of has-beens and wannabes. You know, Marco Yarch was a wannabe. Uh, Trenton Hassel was a has-been and a wannabe. Troy Hudson, I don't know what he was. He was a, he was a Mickey Mouse of a player. Uh, he had some moments at times, but, I mean, he certainly wasn't that good. Uh, his IQ was low, as far as I was concerned. His first year in Minnesota, Troy Hudson was great, and it was almost immediately after that he wasn't good anymore. Right after he got his big contract, it seemed like the effort was gone, and just let's just take a stupid shot, every stupid shot I can, regardless if I'm making him or not. Uh, so frustration there. I can imagine how frustrated Garnett was his last three years in Minnesota, but at the same time, to literally be like, hell with that, you don't even exist anymore in Minnesota. That was kind of mean. Uh, I, I took offense to that a little bit. Not like a not like I'm majorly offended and I want to sue him. No, obviously you can't sue him anyway, but not like I'm majorly offended and I, I hurt it hurt my feelings and I hate him forever for it, but it, it didn't sit well. I thought that was kind of a BS thing to say. And if some of you disagree, I find you, I don't know why you disagree. That's kind of weird. That's kind of weird uh, at the end of the day. So this is showing seven engagements. I'm not sure what that means because I only see one comment. Let's see what Tanae has to say. What uh, Kevin Garnett had to say. Tanae from New Zealand says, he's only letting down the fans. I doubt Taylor cares at all whether or not his jersey gets retired. It's a shame, really. But to me, this says a lot about why the Wolves will never be a winning franchise under Taylor. I really hope he sells the team soon. And now, at this stage, regardless of how, regardless if I think Taylor is being uh, treated unfairly in this town by fans or not, I'm kind of, you know, I'm I'm turning a little bit on that, where I thought people were being too hard on Taylor. Maybe they are a teeny tiny bit still. But I hope he sells the team. I think it's time for him to sell the team. I wish he would. I wish he would, because it's like, do us all a favor, sell the team, because... Not just because we want Garnett's number retired, but because I think it's time for someone else's chance. Glenn, you had your chance. You won four WNBA championships. Four. Maybe you just lucked into it, whatever, but you got four WNBA championships. That's not nothing. So, good. You have that on your mantle. Uh, Women's basketball is very popular in Minnesota. Regardless if I like it or not, (laughs) it's very popular in Minnesota. It's, It's okay. I'm just messing around, mostly. But I won't. I, I won't say it's on the top of my list, though. If I want, if I have a choice of what sport to watch, it's not going to be the WNBA necessarily. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just being honest with you, okay? But uh, I think it's time for Glenn Taylor to move on. I'd like to see a younger person take over the franchise. We saw what happened when Gerson Rosas was brought in. I mean, look at the difference. Because this time, Glenn Taylor wasn't the man hiring him. It was, uh, you know, it was the current CEO. Uh, and, of course, that's Ethan Casson, obviously. Um, 
he made the hire. Him and uh, they didn't go to a search group, this and that. Yeah, just had a committee, guys like Jim Peterson and such. And then it's Ethan Casson uh, with Jim Peterson and such. And they went on and uh, made the hire of Gerson Rosas, who's uh, I, I think made it a very interesting group of players. So I think it's time for Glenn Taylor to sell. I I, I, I do. Uh, it's time for him to get hostily taken over. I think. Unfortunately, though, he's the one with the money, and I I don't know. Garnett doesn't have as much money as Glenn Taylor. He doesn't. Even if he made the best investments ever, <laughs> it's not going to happen that way. Where Jordan has jump man, you know, Jordan, just that, just that, that logo, it's Jordan. That logo is Michael Jordan, and that's why he's a billionaire today. Along with the fact he bought the Hornets before the TV contract uh, took place, he became the majority owner. I think his value went up because of that, and it goes up every single year because of that. Along with the fact that jump man, which is Michael Jordan, outsells probably just about any product there is on the planet. Um, Michael Jordan is a billionaire for a reason. Uh, Garnett, unfortunately, is not. I, I wish he was. Maybe he could be the full owner. Well, maybe I don't wish he was, but I'm sure he does. Maybe he could eventually buy the Timberwolves that way. But it's gonna. the Timberwolves are going to need a new owner very soon, regardless uh, who it is. Maybe one of the uh, minority owners could eventually be the majority owner. Maybe they have the big bucks. One or One or two of them might have the big bucks, and hopefully they make some better decisions as we move forward, and they're not uh, in, in a hurry to move the team to Seattle or to St. Louis or something. Those are two cities that are starving for NBA basketball, obviously. Uh, St. Louis has not had a team since the Hawks left way back in like the late 60s. Seattle obviously lost their team after 2008. So, obviously, it is what it is. Um, or was it after, I think it's 08-09. Yeah, 08-09, if I remember correctly. Yes, and then 09 was when things started moving in a different direction. I could be... Uh, I'm getting it mixed up. I think 08, 07, 08, I think was their last year. Yes, yes, yes. That was when Russell Westbrook was taken, and he played for the Thunder, not for the uh, Seattle Supersonics. So uh, long as they did, long as they're not going to move the team to Seattle or uh, St. Louis, it ain't going to be New Orleans anymore, or some other unknown team, some unknown city, uh, then uh, I, I, you know, I'll be happy with somebody younger taking over the franchise and hoping for the best. Hoping for the best. I mean, Glenn Taylor saved the franchise. Marvin Harv, you know, they just they were willing to let the team go and move to New Orleans. Uh, I don't think Glenn Taylor would sell the team to somebody that's going to move them. That's the good part. But uh, hopefully, somebody out there, somebody out there with a ton of money, willing to come and <laughs> come and come and uh, zap some energy into this franchise, come on over and, and purchase it. Come on over, purchase it. Just don't, don't, don't hurt Gerson Rosas. I think he's done a pretty good job for the most part. Uh, they're not winning a trillion games yet, but it's an interesting product, of course. And well, Carl obviously missed a billion games this year, so it's hard to really see what the uh, finished product is at this point. But uh, just simply the the big three of Carl, uh, D'Angelo Russell, and uh, Malik Beasley—that's a start. That's a start in the right direction, and you get a pretty nice draft pick if the draft ever happens. If sports ever resume again, ever, then uh, yeah, you may have uh, at least a, a really good number two or number three player coming in to join the group. So and hopefully you can keep Malik Beasley as well. But um, so we kind of get back from the old days into modern times again, and hoping that uh, Taylor Corp moves on at some point. I think he. Uh, I wish he would sell the team. I wish he would. I wish he would. I wish he would. But none of us can force him to do it. And. It is what it is. It's his. It's his team, and if he wants to keep it, it's there's nothing we can do about it. So, until then, we'll have to wait for a Garnett retirement ceremony. I don't blame him. 
I don't blame him, but at the same time, I'm not going to deify him either. So people like Joe Nelson and uh, some of those different wolves groups like Flip's Army, I believe Timberwolves Army as well. Some of the stuff he was saying, Joe Nelson, you know, he was a producer of the of the Paul Allen show, and I believe he works for Bring Me, Bring Me the News now. Joe Nelson, God bless you and everything, really nice guy, but some of the stuff he was saying, like Garnett, literally, you would think Garnett's bigger than God, and the guy needs to settle down a little bit, and it's not just him, it's several others out there. I'm not going to deify Kevin Garnett either at this point. Great player. He was the best franchise ever had. But, I mean, is he handling things perfectly here? No. No. Um, <laughs> no. Does he have a right to be frustrated? Yes. But is he handling things perfectly here? No. Is Taylor perfect? Hell no. Uh, obviously, no. Nobody's perfect here. So, I'm just saying, these people that are deifying Garnett, they, they should be like nine statues of Garnett uh, everywhere, and Taylor needs to literally dig a hole and dig a, dig himself a grave, put the headstone on and cover himself in dirt. That's basically what some of these people are saying without saying it. That's basically what they're saying. Um, and that's going too far. I'm not going to turn the seesaw that far here, folks. Uh, let's uh, even things out a little bit uh, here. I, I think it's a little bit closer to even than uh, some of you might believe. Um, so that's just my belief. That's my opinion. You don't have to agree. At the end of the day, Kevin Garnett, first ballot Hall of Fame, absolutely great, well-deserved, and it's nice to reminisce about him. It's nice to remember some of the days when we, well, where we, we had some success. It's frustrating that the front office couldn't have done a better job after Marbury. It's like we had the perfect plan, but there was no plan B. That's the problem. Um, there, that's the problem. The annoying part is we could have got Sam Cassell instead of Terrell Brandon in the Marbury trade in the first place. Cassell might have been a pain in the ass and, and forced his way out eventually, but maybe that's where you trade Cassell and get a younger player or a draft pick uh, two or three years later if it comes to it. Or maybe Garnett and Cassell would have been a match made in heaven because Cassell was a hell of a lot younger in uh, 1999 than he was in 94. Well, he's five years younger. But five years is a long time, and Garnett was still just getting started, baby. So things could have been extremely interesting at the time. Crying shame without things. Uh, continue to be mismanaged forever with this franchise when, again... They just didn't have a plan B. They had a great group of guys put together. They still needed some extra pieces. Those pieces never came, ever. And then, of course, the two core pieces that we loved so much, Marbury and Googs, uh, ended up moving on before we ever got a chance to even make any type of a playoff run whatsoever. It was just right away. I mean, you, you take Seattle to the brink of elimination, you can't finish them off, and then you lose game five on the road. Because back then, of course, the first round was still five, uh, best of five which was kind of cool in a way. Uh, you could get more upsets that way sometimes. Um, but, yeah, definitely a sad, sad, uh, sad state of affairs for the Minnesota Timberwolves because of the ongoing uh, frustration with uh, the mismanagement and just really no real plan outside of the, the original one, which, who knows, maybe they kind of lucked into it at the time as well. Who knows what it would have been, Garnett and Ray Allen, and then maybe you add Sam Cassell somehow down the road. Or you just get lucky with the in the draft, or you well do a better damn job in the draft, and get a point guard to to join the group. Who knows what Garnett and Ray Allen would have been like? Because I don't think Ray Allen would have forced his way out right away. Because Ray Allen never forced his way out of anything, to be quite honest. Uh, he never really did. So well, we'll never know. They're all going to be forty-five years old now, and we're just sitting here sad and frustrated. And it is what it is. It is what it is. Hopefully Taylor does sell the team soon. 
and I'll just pretty much wrap things up with that. At the end of the day, though, if you could write a positive rating for Timberwolves Explosion, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated on the iTunes or any of the other applications if they do provide that. I know iTunes does for sure. iTunes slash Apple. Write a positive rating for Timberwolves Explosion. Also, you can get on the air with me in the Fan Interaction segment by simply using your smart device, whatever it is, click on the uh, free voice recording application, click record, treat it like a phone call, hit stop, save it, and email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. The information will be in the show description along with the Twitter account and the Facebook page. Do like the Facebook page. Do follow the Twitter account if you could. It would be greatly appreciated. Interact with me. would like to meet you and get to know you a little teeny bit as a Wolves fan and who knows, maybe we could be friends like Vince Germano has been, Tene Brown, uh, Levi Brown, great people, great people. You know, Wayne Hunt, Stu Benson, m- many others. Nicholas Simon that I've met on here uh, years ago. Nigel uh, Nigel Southern, if he's still around. He's the first Australian I ever met, actually, uh, at least uh, via Facebook back in the day. He was the first Australian Timberwolves fan that I met, believe it or not. Uh, obviously, I've met other Australians from uh, the sportsstuff.com days. Uh, Russell, or excuse me, Russell, Rusty, Rusty and uh, P-Mac, Red Sten, other guys like that, Dave Ang, great people, uh, but I haven't heard from them in a long, long time, unfortunately. I haven't heard from Nigel Southern for a long time either, but Vinrock, Vince Germano, Wayne Hunt, Stu Benson of the Courtside Podcast, one of the greatest basketball shows of all time, if not the greatest. Uh, Join it on Apple, well, basically all the same applications I've mentioned, except PodMN, because I doubt it'll be on that one, but Anything, Apple, Google, iHeart. It, it's on all of them, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and all that good stuff. Do listen to that. Check it out. A couple of Laker fans and a Memphis fan on there. Of course, Wayne Hunt's the Memphis fan. Vince Germano and Stu Benson are our Lakers fans. But they talk about the whole NBA. They just kind of favor their team when, when it comes up because it's their team, just like I'm favoring the Timberwolves. It just is what it is. So do check that out. Enjoy it. And uh, boy, oh boy, uh, highly recommended. Until next time, which I'm not sure exactly when that's going to be, we'll see. But uh, I had to get this out, Garnett in the Hall of Fame, and then continued beef with Glenn Taylor. Uh, It is what it is. I'm officially hoping Glenn Taylor sells the team, but I'm also not going to, like, burn him at the stake like some fans out there. And I'm not going to deify Garnett either at the same time. But I'm not going to be as hard on Garnett at the same time because I'm sure there's some legitimate frustration, obviously. With that said, take care, and we'll talk to you hopefully sooner than later. 